Hello everyone, this is your friend Erwedewenomeran, and this is my channel, It Pays to Fear God. This is where we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and their kingdom purpose, the three most important subjects that we can ever learn about, talk about, or discuss in the entire Holy Bible if we read John chapter 17, verse 3. The subject that I want to talk with you viewers about today is captioned, Let My People Go. However, before I get into that subject, we are once again going to hear a tune that some of us might enjoy listening to. Once again, the subject that I'm going to talk about with you viewers today is captioned, Let My People Go. Let My People Go was a statement made by Moses from Exodus chapter 5 all the way to chapter 11. However, before I really get into the story of Egypt and how that story links with the rest of the Bible, whether it be the story of Jesus Christ or the time that we are living in, most importantly, the last days, if we read Romans chapter 15 verse 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11, I'm first of all going to explain the concept of let my people go. That is, what does that really mean exactly? Where does that phrase come from in the sense of what situation would have to happen for the idea of people being freed from somewhere take place and what happens after that? Well, God has always had a plan, whether it be in a small prototype or in the general field, which is, of course, the most important. God has always had a plan for humanity. And that plan is to redeem or restore them to the former condition that they were in the Garden of Eden, just without the inexperience of what sin means and how to avoid it. Because Adam and Eve sinned as a result of inexperience in Genesis chapter 3 from verses 1 to 6. And God has always had it in mind to restore them so that they can be like they were perfect and even better than over metaphorically speaking if we desire chapter 13 verse 12 and that plan doesn't just happen overnight it takes a really long process and it's not just that during the period where the plan is being prepared and there are examples being showed of it and stuff 
That period is usually where wicked ones take over and rule over the righteous. They oppress the righteous and stuff like that. And Satan the devil has been the god of this world, if read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, for the past five to 6,000 years or so. And God has finally appointed a time, if read Acts chapter 17 and verses 30 and 31, which has already started, where he is going to completely remove Satan the devil's institutions and ways of ruling and ways of living so that righteousness can be the one to prevail. After all, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. If read Psalms chapter 147 three and in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 6 God had also said through Isaiah the prophet is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that ye break every yoke and of course People will preach about this. People will talk about this and you can summarize all of their statements into one phrase let my people go. And this entire concept that I have just described is in Jeremiah chapter 50 and verses 33 and 34. Thus said the Lord of hosts, the children of Israel and the children of Judah were oppressed together, and all that took them captives held them fast. They refused to let them go. Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He shall thoroughly plead their cause, that he may give rest unto the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon. That is essentially a summary of the rest of the things that I'm going to be discussing today in this video. So let's go ahead and move into the story of Eats, where of course the whole phrase, let my people go, really originated. God had had a plan with Abraham 500 years or so, even up to 600 before coming to Moses and Moses coming to the Israelites to rescue them from Egypt and stuff like that. In Genesis chapter 12, from verses 1 to 3, and chapter 15, in verses 5 and 6, and even verses 13 and 14, you can see where God laid out the plan for him. He was going to make a great nation out of Abraham, an uncountable one. And if we look at the Jews today, that promise, of course, has fulfilled. We see that the Israelites were going to be in Egypt, slaves under Egyptian oppression and rule for 400 years, sometimes even 430, depending on how you look at it. But it was going to be for a long time, and God told Abraham that way ahead of time, so that he could sort of prepare his mind for it, tell his children about it, etc., and that's the kind of wicked rule that I'm talking about. When I was saying that the wicked take over the righteous, that's the idea. The Egyptians, who of course were not righteous ones of God, took over the Israelites. This doesn't mean they were righteous at that time, but they were going to become people of God, the chosen generation or nation. If we read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and Exodus chapter 19, from verses 4 to 6. And... They took over and they held it for 400 years, but when it was time, God sent Moses and Moses had told Pharaoh numerous times, let my people go. That was the statement, that was the advice, and if we read Exodus chapter 5 verse 1, Moses had given the reason to Pharaoh why he was saying all of this stuff and why all of that was going to happen, so that God may have a feast with them in the wilderness, not physical feast, of course, but that they may worship him, fulfilling Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21. This people have I formed for myself, they shall shew forth my praise. And that was essentially the idea. 
However, because Pharaoh was stubborn, because God wanted to prove his power, if read Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, he said no numerous times. And God was behind all of that so that he could let the ten plagues run through. Not just to destroy the land of Egypt, not just to kill everybody there and stuff like that, but he wanted to show people who he truly was, not only the Egyptians, but also to the Israelites. And if we read Exodus chapter 12, in verses 33 and 34, so we see how finally Pharaoh said, okay, you guys can go now, after God was done with the whole show. But we can see how when it was time for God to rescue them, it was salvation, essentially. He was saving them from that entire rule. And he summarized what he was going to do, in fact, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land onto a good land and a large, onto a land flowing with milk and honey, onto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Many people ignore those people, but those are the people who were living in the land of Canaan, the place which they were going to inherit later in the future, after the 40 years that they spent in the wilderness. And we have to understand the fact that even when they were rescued from the land of Egypt, after those 10 plagues came and tested and destroyed the governments and the belief that people were having in the pharaohs and the gods that they served at that time, the deliverance wasn't necessarily done yet because they still had to move through the process of weeding out the wicked people who never had the opportunity to expose their wickedness back in the land of Egypt when the Egyptians had all the say. We see how people like Abiram, Dathan, and Korah, and On, and the 250 princes, who were never righteous people, couldn't exercise their wickedness because of such things. But now they had the opportunity to, and they did, and God executed judgments on them in Numbers chapter 14. And chapter 16, and we see how all of that happened. And they eventually went to the land of Canaan, and that was their deliverance. So that's essentially let my people go in the story of Egypt. They yearned for that in Exodus chapter 2, from verses 23 to 25, and God listened to them and brought them out through the wilderness and everything, and eventually to the land. Canaan. It's very important that we first of all understand the story of Egypt before we move on to the New Testament, and that is the time of Jesus. Essentially, this story has a lot to do with the time of Jesus because it's the same kind of deliverance. Jesus Christ, of course, came down to this world to deliver us, humanity, from sin and to set up a new religion, which, of course, we know today as Christianity. And Jesus Christ had said himself that he didn't come down to judge the world, to be this priest or something. No, he came down to save the world. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. John chapter 12, verse 47. And if read Luke chapter 4, in verses 18 and 19, Jesus Christ had summarized his entire mission to come down to this world by quoting Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 61, from verses 1 to 3. And in that Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Jesus Christ had stated, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance unto the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That was a summary of why Jesus Christ came down to this world. And just as how the ten plagues were fulfilling the prophecies that God made to Abraham in that Genesis chapter 12 for verses 1 to 3 and chapter 15 in verses 5, 6, and 13 and 14, people like Moses had prophesied the fact that there's going to be a much larger prophet than me who would come and dispense similar messages in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15. And Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy by coming down to this world to save the souls of them that were lost. If we read that first Peter chapter 2 verse 25 and Matthew chapter 18 verse 11. And he was setting up a new religion like I said before. If we read Matthew chapter 13 and verses 31 and 32. That parable of the mustard seed was the same idea. And the gospel that he was preaching was let my people go. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. That's the same thing as saying, let my people go. Because Jesus Christ was not only delivering them from death, but a new project was started. Just as how when the Israelites left Egypt, there was a new thing going on. When Jesus Christ died and the apostles were selected and they did all the preaching and stuff and it continued on. That was a new idea, a new religion being set up, and of course, defeating Judaism in the process. It's very important we understand, understand the fact that the time of Jesus is just like the time of Pharaoh and Moses and stuff, because the concept that I described at the beginning still applies. However, of course, this stuff is only relevant because of its significance in the last days, because the concept still applies. The pharaohs and the gods of Egypt and stuff were like the kings and the princes. And not just the kings and princes, but their alliance with spirituality. Because if you take both sides, both of them were powerful. Both of them had authority. If you look at all the leaders, the religious leaders, they had the ability to do all kinds of stuff. And of course, because the kings owned all the land, the moment you put those two together, you not only get a perfect match, but you get something that can rule the world and can be sat on top of by Satan the devil very easily. And that existed for almost 1900 years. However, all the world wars that happen and stuff like that helps to break that alliance because if we look at it today, spirituality and political leaders don't have as big as a match and friendship and bond as they did 500 years ago back in the medieval ages and, and stuff like that. So we see how they got broke that by making sure that there was a big battle that defeated the monarchies and fulfillment of Revelation chapter 12 from verses 7 to 12 and Habakkuk chapter 1 from verses 6 to 12. We're starting to see more peace in fulfillment of Psalms chapter 46 verse 9 and Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 because now people do not have the ability to oppress people to the extent that the kings and the princes and the nobles and the dukes and other people in that category were formerly doing before because God is bringing judgment on the spiritual system the way he did with the land of Egypt and stuff. If we read that Ezekiel chapter 16 from verses 36 to 43 and Revelation chapter 18 from verses 2 to 4. So we've been freed 
from all of that stuff in that sense. This is how the Egyptians had been broken down and stuff and the Israelites were freed out of their bondage. We as total humanity have been freed from the bondage and control of the political and monarch people in the time of old, 100, 200 years ago and so on. And now we have freedom so that the desire of all nations, peace, freedom, posterity, unity, etc. are finally coming to pass. If we read Haggai chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7. And all of this is a fulfillment of the prayers that people, righteous ones especially, were praying. The Lord's Prayer. If we read Matthew chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10. And summarized by the parable of Jesus Christ of the unjust judge in Luke chapter 18 from verses 1 to 8. And to understand that whole concept more, I would highly recommend you check my videos, The Lord's Prayer and Thy Kingdom Come. Those three videos really give you a good idea on what the whole prayer of the Lord's Prayer was about and its importance. And currently, we're in the time of the wilderness. All of the stuff that I've been talking about in the last days was in fact summarized in Ezekiel chapter 20 and verses 34 and 35, being brought from the power of the monarchs into a time of freedom, but also a time of of justice for God to finally restore his plan. And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with furry poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people and there will I plead with you face to face. We are in that period, the time of the wilderness where we can truly prove ourselves as righteous ones of God so that the sheep can be separated from the goats or as many people say, the boys from the men. If we read that Matthew chapter 25 and verses 31 and 32, I hope we now have an understanding on what let my people go exactly means. But there are a couple more points that I want to make. First of all, the whole concept of deliverance is something that requires faith. It requires faith in order, in order for us to keep on moving in that direction. We are saved by hope. If we read that Romans chapter 8 in verses 24 and 25, where St. Paul had stated, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet? hope for. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. I talked about this patience in my other channel, Bible Verse Breakdown, and the verse was James chapter 1 verse 4. The patience is the concept of not only just physically waiting, but doing the will of God and waiting for that to manifest into God's deliverance. We are having faith in the fact that just as how he has defeated the monarchs, given us freedom, he's going to make the righteous shine like stars in fulfillment of Matthew chapter 13 verse 43 and Daniel chapter 12 verse 3. We should never be like the Israelites looked at God's deliverance and decided that they wanted to completely erase the project by wanting to return back to Egypt in Numbers chapter 14 verse 4. God hated that so much that he wanted to not only wipe out all the people who were in that plan, but his anger eventually built up to him just wanting to completely destroy it and start a new nation with Moses. And even though Moses advised him not to, the concept is that what they were doing was very bad. Rather, we should have faith in God's deliverance, that it's going to manifest into our glorification. And I discussed this in my video, the glorification of the church. And it's not just about having faith. 
the freedom that we've already been given, the freedom from the monarchs and stuff, we have to be able to use that freedom wisely. We shouldn't be like the rich men in Nehemiah chapter 5, who took advantage of the freedom that they got and used it to be collecting extra taxes from the Babylonian exiles. Rather, we should be like the apostles who celebrated the freedom that had been gifted to them by Jesus Christ and were using it to serve God like never before. And in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, St. Paul had advised us to use God's liberty wisely. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be ye not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. See also verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, and 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It's very important we keep all that I have said in mind. I hope we now understand what it means to say, let my people go. God is performing a project of salvation, if we desire chapter 45, verse 22, which requires our support. It requires our belief in it in order for us to reap the benefits in the end. So I advise that we keep our beliefs in it. We keep our hopes in his deliverance because God said that whoever calls on his name will be saved. If we Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And if we read that Romans chapter 10, verse 13, so that he can fulfill the promise made in Psalm chapter 69, verse 35. For God will save Zion. He will build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession. And I choose to end my talk on the subject, let my people go. To conclude this episode, we are once again going to hear a tune that some of us might enjoy listening to. Enjoy this video, hope you learned something most importantly, and I must once again emphasize the fact that if we continue looking into the Bible, the perfect law of liberty, and we continue walking in God's deliverance, we will be saved indeed. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, and this man shall be blessed in his deed. Thank you for listening. Oh, one more thing. If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.